listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows are heard exclusively live here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. We're broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios in the tech space facilities in downtown Costa Mesa, California. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the show live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Brandman University, Commercial Bank, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and The Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs and business executives of middle market firms, to make better and more informed business decisions. It is a celebratory mood that we have here in the studio today. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Party favors. That, 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 <laughs> that, that was our first guest of the radio show all those years ago, Paul Roberts. And the reason why we're in a celebrating mood is we're welcoming Angelo Ponzi, who is a co-founder of Strategic Market Intelligence to the radio program. He is officially our 800th interview that we've done over the many years here in Critical Mass Radio Show. Angelo, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about you, Angelo. Talk to us about your professional background, kind of your path to your current firm that you've started. All right. Thank you. Uh, Actually, uh, I'll go back a few years, but uh, really my focus uh, was advertising, and I worked for advertising agencies. And back in the... uh, 80s, and I'm going to start dating myself a little bit, worked for a, a local agency uh, called Janssen Associates, had about 56 people, three offices up and down California coast. We were very high tech. And one of the things I did there was research, and one of my specialties was client service, but also research, and they focused on that. From there, I started my own company in, in 1989 called, with, with great creativity, the Ponzi Group. And uh, from there, I focused on strategic planning and then broadened it out to be more of a marketing services firm. And then in 2001, I sold that to a company called uh, Ruben Pasteran Associates, which is a large independent advertising agency in Santa Monica. They put us together with my creative partner, which they also purchased, uh, to create an uh, advertising agency called Open Minds here in Irvine. And our focus there was really consumer products, a lot of alcoholic beverages. Uh, Cold Stone Creamery, for example, mm-hmm. was a client of ours. And then in uh, 2011, I found this opportunity to work for a um, evidence-based analytic company. It was a 32-year-old company that nobody's ever heard of um, that focused on analyzing and optimizing communications. Clients were Global 1000. I thought that was a unique opportunity, so I moved on to them and then recently, in the past several months, went back to my roots and started and co-founded Strategic Market Intelligence. Wow. So you, you've been in the same industry for 30 years, right, 80 to 2013, but you've done many different things in that time for several different companies, it sounds like. Well, exactly. I mean, the interesting thing about coming from the advertising world is our clients are all over the place. So, so I've worked in high-tech I've worked with restaurants, I've worked with food, 
um, you know, packaged goods, business to business. Uh, I mean, I go back as far as when we were dealing with streaming tape drives and DAT systems. So that's a long time ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> yeah, I, from I, the, I'll look it up in the history books when I get back. There to that. you go. From the computer world, yeah. And then I worked in the petroleum industry. But again, on the flip side, I've worked with ice cream and beer. And uh, It's kind of nice to have that diversity, isn't it? It, it really does. And, and what I found over the years is things that I would do, say, in high tech, would translate into the consumer world okay. or vice versa. So there, there, there really wasn't a, a, a wall between the two. Right, because ultimately, we're all talking to a potential customer. Right, right, and and so we would get into um, this attitude of looking at, say, a B two B CEO or president of a company. Well, at the end of the day, he had certain concerns if he was in manufacturing or services. But at the end of the day, he's still a human being, right? And as we as human beings have needs, and those needs, whether they're personal or business, they still exist. And so we would try to get some strategies on how I could talk to this person as a human as opposed to from a techie world, for example, and try to get into that emotional state. So emotion was a big play in how we looked at things and how we talked to those different target audiences. Our 800th guest today here on Critical Mass Radio Show is our featured guest. He will be with us for the entire hour is Angelo Ponzi, who is co-founder of Strategic Market Intelligence. And before I move on to the next question, which is I want you to frame for us strategic market intelligence, what makes you different, why clients are doing business with you. But you said something that I just can't walk by, and because it really supports why I do this radio show, and that is the power of peer learning. In other words, so many business topics are common between, I say 80% of what a CEO of a middle market company faces is really similar to what CEOs of other middle market companies are facing, regardless of their industry, regardless of their B2B or B2C. There's so many common points that if they can get together and share each other's experiences, they can learn best practices, things to do. Just It's it's an opportunity, very rich opportunity. It sounds like from your experience servicing so many different companies in so many different industries, you too I heard you say, had a lot, saw a lot of commonality that you could bring from one engagement to the other. Well, absolutely. Right? There, there's some basic problems that everybody has, and again, whether you're manufacturing or services. But let's say, for example, a simple thing of I'm going to go into a market, and let's say I'm a leader in that market. Issues that I might face as a leader are going to be very different than issues that I might face as a challenger. Right. But if you take leaders and challengers and put them across different categories, different markets, they're still going to face the same thing. They're still going to face the competition, how they approach the competition, and understanding their customer, what their needs and wants are. So there are certain aspects that are just, I won't say common, but you know, are, are things that need to be analyzed and looked at for any market. Wow. All right. Angelo Ponzi is our guest. So now let's turn our focus to your company. Strategic Market Intelligence, very impressive name, sounds quite heady, I like it. What is it that Strategic Market Intelligence does, and who do you do it for? Okay, well, uh, Strategic Market Intelligence really is a research firm. It's a business intelligence firm, and our goal really is to not, we're not a, you know, a qualitative firm, we're not a, a, you know, a quantitative firm, yet we use those as kind of our arrows in our quiver, but ultimately, we try to understand what the problem that the consumer is having or the, the client is having. And then based on that, we'll bring in our analytics. Now, we, one thing that in my previous research companies, I mean, we were either doing quant or doing syndicated and things like that. And this one, we're really kind of reversing it and focusing on what's your needs, what are your objectives. But we're really updating it because, like, for example, big data is such a 
topic right. that everybody's concerned with. So we really wanted to bring in and look at that ability to deal with analytics, to be able to do predictive analytics, because ultimately in anything that we do is predicting. It's predicting a behavior. It's predicting a change. It's predicting a sale. It's predicting an upsell, a cross-sell. And so we really work with our clients in understanding, you know, what are you trying to do and how can we help predict that? How can we help predict what your best customers look like so you can have a more efficient way to communicate with them? Wow. We have about a minute left before our first commercial break. Angelo Ponzi, our guest today. Um, who what type, what size and type? I know you're across all industries, so right. you know we're, we're talking to CEOs of middle market companies. Would they be companies that would benefit from the type of research that you're doing for your clients? Absolutely. We're really trying to focus on, I'm going to say, $5 million to maybe 250 at the top end. Okay. What happens is that the, the bigger the companies get, the more likely they are to have someone like us already in there. Okay. And so then we become more of a you know a vendor maybe mm-hmm. one of vendors and what we're really trying to do with with strategic market is to become more consultive, right? Not only help you find the information but help guide them what you can do with that information because we're also marketers at heart, right? And that's our background. So, and I can explain more about that in the next segment about how people use data. <laughs> hey, look at that! He, he should be a, you should be a radio show host. Uh, get this guy a show on octalkradio.net. He's an interesting and informative speaker. I'm sure he could host a great show. This is Rick Franzi. We're going to take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to follow up on that thread of a thought, plus a bunch of other questions that I have for Angelo as our featured guest today. Number 800 in the series of Critical Mass Radio shows. We'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsors. talk about your family business you know that thing you put your whole life's blood sweat and tears into well what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children at succession strategies we can help you find the answers we'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We would like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, or other business-oriented podcasting sites. 
All of our shows can also be found on our website, criticalmass4business.com. All right, let's return to our featured guest, Angelo Ponzi, who is co-founder of Strategic Market Intelligence. And right before the break, you suggested that we talk, and I'd like to follow up on why do companies engage you to get this information, and how do they use the information that you present to them? Right. Well, one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is that companies would spend thousands of dollars basically to feel good about the information that they have or they would do this research to say you know we're a leader here or we're here in this positioning but then they wouldn't do anything with the information so when we started putting the, together a strategic market intelligence and we call it SMI sometimes to because it's it's a long a lot of words to say um, we wanted to make sure that everything we do is actionable okay. so from the very beginning we sit down and understand the issues and the problems and the pain points that the client is having and what we're trying to understand. And then from there, when we start to develop our instruments, our surveys, we want to make sure at the end of the day we can put something in action for them. So we do a lot of segmentation, for example. So we, we just go in and say, here's a profile of your customer. They're, they're X size, you know, they're X millions, you know, here's their sales volume. You know, we want to understand all the different attributes, so we segment this data a lot of different ways based on the questions so we can really develop a persona if you will so we can use that persona to help target they can help look to buy their media looking for ways to for messaging opportunities and the way for their salespeople to talk to these customers hmm. because we understand what they're looking for right as opposed to just going in and selling them a product the product might be less of concern as maybe something else and so again those are things we try to look at it seems to me that a lot of times people CEOs of middle market companies, two thoughts, Angela. One, they use anecdotal experience to guide their decision making. And two, they have a lot of data, but they don't turn it in they, they don't know how to turn it into information. Hmm. And and sometimes in my experience, because when I ran Delphi's division out here in Southern California, I was presented with a lot of data and I would look to the group and say, Can you turn this into information? I, don't make me interpret what you're giving me. You know, don't Give me your bias. Tell me what the data, turn it into something that I can use. It sounds like you collect the data, and then you're also providing information and, and actionable ideas to implement that that plan to get them towards their goal. Well, absolutely, it, it, and because otherwise it's just information. I mean, uh, I, I for back, and I can't remember what years it was, back in the 90s somewhere, I actually was a instructor over at UCI, and I worked in the marketing communications department and, and taught classes there. And and one of the things we would talk about with research is research is just information to which your client can make intelligent decisions. But a lot of times we see is that the research reports sit there, they look at it and say, isn't that really nice? But they don't make any intelligent decisions with it. Right. So we've kind of taken that to another step, and we've built it into to SMI to be more consultative as opposed to just researchers, because in my background, I also sat on the client side. I've been a VP of marketing and a CMO. Well, that's important. And and so I understand how that information is used, and I understand how to get it. So really, we combine those different aspects that we think makes us unique, along with this actionable goal. And then we have something that's that's really unique at SMI. And for my uh, my data scientist, Dr. Neagle, uh, created a patent pending research process that allows us to, uh, if you will, instead of, say, speaking to 500 potential con uh, target audience or CEOs, we only have to speak to, say, 250, yet because of the process and the algorithms that he's developed, we can accurately project 
um, and, and be validated and reliable based on that smaller sample. Smaller sample translates to fewer, fewer dollars, and that gets less back to time. that affordable, less there's time. A, there's a lot of value in that. A lot of value, absolutely. Wow. And, and that actually came from his years uh, in between when we weren't working together. He was working actually with a, a, a huge technology company. I don't know if I can say their name or not. Um, and they wanted him to work with their channel partners. Okay. And they couldn't afford what the parent company was buying. Uh-huh. And so that's how we ended up coming up with this uh-huh. this process so he could do less sample size and service all the, wow. the various channel partners. What a competitive advantage for SMI. Yeah, huh? we, we think it's a, it's really competitive how, for us. how does that open up to the middle market then because it's a less co- less costly engagement? I mean, it just brings more clients, just, right? It brings more clients. It brings opportunities for people wow. to do more research. Right, and, right. And, and Quicker. Quicker. And, and and I think you mentioned it earlier. I mean, people, they, the companies, they do this information, they do research, they have lots of inf- information sitting around, and they don't know what to do with it. And so there's an opportunity for us to say, give us your data, and we can maybe overlay proprietary work to come up with some kind of algorithm and analytics that allows for profiling or other things like that. So it's a real win-win, we believe, for our customers and for us. We're going to talk about social media and how that's affecting the work that you're doing for your clients. It's a whole new vista, right? We we have uh, about four minutes until the next commercial break. So I, I, I want to just touch on social media and then we'll kind of come back to it after, probably after the break but you know social media is used every day by business who are trying businesses that are trying to connect and engage this magic engagement with their target audience how does using research say from your firm help clients to achieve some of their marketing goals while using social media tools angelo well, I, I think, and, and we talk about, and we'll talk about this next segment about engagement. And, okay. and, and uh, the company I was recently doing work for, uh, Phase One, we did a, we did our own proprietary research on social media engagement. It was very fascinating, and I'm, I'm happy to share some of that next next segment. But really, engagement is a two way street, right? And it's about the con- the audience, a consumer, if you will, engaging with the brand, but truly engaging, not just fan likes. <laughs> Right, yeah. and, and I have some statistics that'll be pretty interesting. Now they're going to be about a year or so old, but they were very fascinating at the time when we were doing this research about how many people that actually um, say they're loyal actually engage with the brand. It's mm. really tiny. So, so a lot of brands really are struggling with this and, and being accountable. A lot of money's being spent. Right. But the big thing that I, I think that the companies make mistakes is they look to social media to be a silver bullet. And it's just not. And you can't eliminate all the other avenues of marketing and just do social media. Because ultimately, you know, it, you build it and we'll have to find it, right? The old field of dreams. Right. And I think that that's where a big mistake is. And I think also uh, companies get too tactical and not deal with strategy. I, mm-hmm. As one of the things I did a few years ago, I actually went back to school uh, and became a certified social media strategist no um, because I didn't know it, and, and right. I felt so I went to the UCI program so I could understand it. But there was a lot about strategy, not about just tactics, right? I'm not going to sit there and tweet. I'm not going to sit there and blog all the time. Mm-hmm. However, I have to understand why. At a recent company I was working with, you know, they, they wanted to do Facebook and Twitter. And my, answer, my question was, why? It just right. makes absolutely no sense. Your customers are not on Facebook to buy that widget. Right. Right. That's powerful. Um, we, we've got one minute, and so I'm going to go off script and just ask you, can you think of any time when you presented to one of your clients the results of your research that actually upset them? 
Because I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm marrying my experience of people who use anecdotal and experiential information to make decisions versus hard data that maybe conflicts with their held norms. Can you think of any time where there was this discomfort with what your data was saying and what your information said versus what their previous belief system said? Yeah, actually, uh, it, it happened in the uh, actions. Well, it, it happens throughout a lot of companies <laughs> because, because you know, they don't want to believe what you just told them. Right. And there, there was two incidences, and both of them actually happened in the action sports industry. Uh, we published a top ten list of shoe companies, and I got this call from a, a shoe company, and they were really upset at me and just basically accused me of falsifying the data, and I didn't know what I was talking about. You're obviously incompetent. I was incompetent. You know, our data was skewed. And so we sat down with them and said, I, you know, these are the facts. And we walked through and we showed them. Long story short, when we finished, they were right. They were number one, but in a tiny portion of the United <laughs> States, not on a national basis. Um, the other one was we were working uh, with uh, a group which became Fuel Television. We are working with Fox, and they were trying to create a show, and, and that was going to be called 54321. I don't know if anybody remembers that show. Do not. And so they brought us in to do all the, the qualitative work. And at the end of the day, we tested hosts and all these things, and we wrote up a report and basically said, if you do this show, it will fail. <laughs> and the, the people from New York said, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, and they're all in their suits, and yeah. everybody else is you know, in their Hawaiian shirts. And they basically ignored us. And five, four, three, two, one lasted six months, hmm. and it died. And then, and then after that, was resurrected with fuel, tel- fuel television, which uh, uh, really blossomed. So we're talking with Angelo Ponzi. He is the co-founder of SMI, which means stands for Strategic Market Intelligence. He's our featured guest today, and he is our 800th guest in the long history of the Critical Mass Radio Show series since 2009 so we're going to take our second commercial break and when we come back we're going to continue the earlier conversation that we had relative to social media so ladies and gentlemen don't go anywhere we'll be back in three minutes after these words from our sponsors when it comes to pioneers in their respective industries we all know the apples starbucks and trader joe's of the world in the realm of recruiting decision toolbox is the industry's best kept secret with 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers. For over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. 
These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO peer groups. CEO peer groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on a radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. We delivered over 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions last month. To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. All of our shows can be found from our website, criticalmass4business.com. Angelo Ponzi is our focus guest, our featured guest for today's program. He's co-founder of SMI, Smart uh, Strategic, sorry, Strategic Market Intelligence, and he's also our 800th guest. In case you didn't know that, he's our 800th, 800th guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Uh, before the break, I said we were going to come back and talk about social media. So can you talk about Phase One's recent study that they did on social media engagement and how to use social media to successfully drive a brand to its fullest potential? Yeah, one of the things, this was a, a very interesting study. Now, just to, to backtrack, if, when we look at SMI, for example, we utilize, utilize qualitative and quantitative and then apply analytics. Phase One was actually a, it is a very interesting company. It's about a 32-year-old company that cr- developed and created this evidence-based analytic process where we actually don't talk to the consumer. It's based on this knowledge base that contains hundreds of thousands of interviews, if you will, and therefore there's where the the makeup of the audience goes. And then it's applied in this deconstruction and reconstruction process. So we we take a piece of communications, and communications could be anything but, let's say, ad or TV ad. We deconstruct it into its content style and structure, also code for uh, audio and video, and then we reconstruct it into these frameworks. And based on that, we we're able to predict how the target audience will react. And, and 70 to 85%, depending on the situation, they're validated and being able to predict. But what's really cool is this prediction happens before anything's actually produced. Wow. So if you do that before a TV spot, or you do that before a print ad, or you buy right. your, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of media, you're ultimately saving yourself a lot of time. That's so much better than after, yeah. and looking and reading the results afterwards. Yeah. That's that's a lot less fulfilling. It, I'd rather do it before. Exactly. I, I remember when I first started talking to him, they said, we're the best kept secret. And I said, well, that's 
good and bad, I guess. The unfortunate thing, if I had known about you guys about 10 years ago, I would have used you because I've been in that situation where you're reading, you know, post-analysis, uh, uh, and, you know, the client's not very happy because things didn't perform. Right. So this, so this is really interesting process, and and one of the things that we've done is as part of our, you know, arrows in our quiver, if you will, a repertoire, we're actually, um, I'll say repping for lack of a better term, and so we're combining the phase one analytics into our offerings. So okay. very unique, um, so we can go across the board. But what, what happened uh, about a year or so ago, the, the question of social media is just, I mean, everybody it wants in. And it reminds me when the Internet first came out, right, or websites. Everybody had to have one. Everything else was dead. It was going to be the website. And then, of course, that didn't happen. And, you know, everybody predicted the death of television. Well, that didn't happen. And so it goes on and on and on. And I mentioned earlier, people look at social media like a silver bullet. So what Phase 1 wanted to do is really kind of determine what drove or what drives social media engagement. And so, again, keeping in mind that it's evidence-based analytics. So what they did is we have to, number one, work with publicly available data. So there we were looking at websites, social media sites, for example. The other criteria was they had to be well-known and successful brands. And we started off with 70 different brands and eventually ended up with 22 that were classified uh, out of six different verticals. And those were automotive, retail, dining, services, technology, and food and beverage. So that was the outcome. And then we overlaid that with a measurement tool. Now, at the time, you could pick, you didn't know if clout was right or if you didn't know Facebook likes. So we also took clout, Facebook likes, and NetBase, which is a a monitoring service. And we basically triangulated an analytic that we applied as as our measurement portion of this. Now, one of the things that we looked at is if we... You know, how does people engage? So one of the things that I'm going to just read from a few notes that I do have, the consumers who engage with brands and social media tend to have a higher brand loyalty. And there was, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. There were Facebook studies and things like that that, that confirmed that. But what, what was of real interest that when another research study came out and they looked at the majority of social media users have never posted or tweeted about a brand on Facebook. So they... Ah. They like it. They're like but passive. They're, they're passive. It's very passive. So, of course, in, in fact, in, even, even amongst the biggest fans, uh, brands on Facebook, only a fraction of their fans, 1%, are actively engaged. Wow. So the engagement aspect is really low, and, and that's what makes it also difficult to quantify your investment, right? Right. So one of the things we looked at, and we, and we, and we go back, and again, you've got to remember, these are a, a room full of analysts, uh, you always felt like the dumbest guy in the room. Um, and because we think about social media, why do we go on social media? We go on to be social, right? We go on to be with our friends, and, right. to, and it's, it's personal. And so really, you're, it's that personal aspect of a very social world. And so what it means then to tell your brand story in this very social benefit-oriented. And that's what we started to look at, is how do we do that? So, you know, brands that you want to associate. Why? Because you're having a personal relationship with them. So that other aspect I mentioned earlier, you can't build it and assume they'll come, right? So we had to look at what was the what were these brands' engagement in, in regular traditional marketing and media as they started to build their their communications and their engagement. And we found that the most successful brands that had a high level of, of traditional m- marketing uh, efforts mm-hmm. tended to have a higher engagement than those that did not. 
right? Because you can't engage if I can't find it, right? right? So the traditional means are, are ways to help push you and drive you to identify where all your social aspects so are. So that, that supports your point earlier that you don't stop everything else you're doing and focus only on social media because it's the hot new thing. Exactly. They lend and blend together. Right. I've been using a term integrated or integration for years and years and years, and I'm a firm believer in integrated campaigns, integrated marketing, that one one doesn't fit, right? Because the way I speak to you in a television commercial is going to be very different the way I talk to you in an ad and be very different the way I talk to you in a tweet. But is the message the same? The, the, The way you do it might be different, but is what you're trying to suggest or impart upon your audience, is that the same? Right. Ultimately... Your messaging needs to be have a commonality across all your. This tactics. is the strategy part you this talked is the about earlier, part, right? I can't I can't have five different messages going on because <laughs> I'm going to confuse people. You I can, can, but it would suck. Yeah, it would. Yeah. It would. So so it's best back to you know what am I trying to communicate? Right. How do I do that? Now that I have different tactics, how do I best use those tactics in the form that they're meant to be used? Right. Thirty second spot, I can say a lot of things. 40, right. 40 character tweet, I can't. Right. Right. So how can I reinforce? How can I drive? What points can I get across? What messages can I deliver? And so it's been to that that overall integration that I really feel strongly that it's that it's important. So back to the social media study. Um, so if we we talk about you know brand and, and personally appealing, and developing a communications that drive a social benefit. What we came away with associating oneself with a brand in a public, spa- a public space like social media sends a message of how I want others to see me. Whoa. Right? Now that's powerful. Right? right? And we and we classify this as the idealized self. It's the way I want to project, the way I want others to see me. And, and if you saw my notes there, the me is capitalized. So we look at this, what we call the me statement. That's kind of the, the takeaway of this research, that brands that embodied this me statement had a higher uh, engagement with their customers than those that did not. But we also found, as I said just a few seconds ago, those that had a me statement also had consistency in their marketing and communications Mm. than those that did not. So if we look at the kind of the combination that creates this me statement, the me statement is a public statement about the idealized self embodied by the brand, right? So, it's about idealized self, and it's an embodiment of that idealized self by the brand. Not brand attributes, right? But it's right. that idealized self by the brand. Right. It's almost like I want you to think of me because I'm associated to this brand, and what you think of this brand, I want you to think of me. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that uh, we would uh, say in our in our presentations, is, and, and this is not really true about me, but I like Epicurean. Right. I like to cook. I like to read books. I go on, you know, Epicurean websites. So that's not true. Well, personally, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but in in my pitch, that's what I would say. Okay. Um, for those of you listening, because I was hoping uh, you'd invite me over for dinner, but uh, now I don't want to come. I, I actually can cook. Well. Okay. Um, and so I want you to know that about me. That's something I want out there. That's right. something that embodies me. Makes However, me feel good about how you see me. Yeah, exactly. And that, and we can relate. And we can have those conversations. However, you know. I, I drive two hours a night, I get home late, and the last thing I want to do is cook, right? <laughs> so, you know, Marie Callender's and League Cuisine are my friends, but I don't necessarily want to tell you about that right. because it's not who I am. Yeah, you're not social, You're not tweeting about the, the League Cuisine you had last night. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's what it's really um, about. And 
I have about a minute left. Okay. I was going to say, some of the brands that we saw that, that, that had this me statement and the ones we analyzed, um, Starbucks was a good, uh, probably the number one. And it, the me statement there was, I pursue experiences that are uniquely me. Right. Wow. If you think back about their marketing, it's right. Uh, I picked this plant. This cup is for you. Everything is about you or it's about me. Right. right. Everything they do is about me as a consumer. Wow. Um, Red Bull. I'm cool under pressure, and I can conquer any challenge. Just think about all the Red Bull marketing and things like that. So those are these under. Now it's not a tagline, right? Right. It's, it's not, not that some, obvious. Yeah, huh? it's not something you're going to read. Yeah, that would it, creep me out if yeah. they said it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's that underlying message and relationship that they have that that creates this me statement and oh. and drives that engagement. Well, you know, uh, thank you for bringing up the me statement because I know I, I, I want to talk about that today because. Um, some of the work that you have out there based on the interviews, the YouTube videos, uh, my social media manager and I have looked at those. And that is a really powerful concept. So I hope the uh, audience today, if you're looking for a takeaway, is to ask your marketing department to research and, and tell you what the me statement is for your brand in the channel, right? Yeah, absolutely. We actually did, um, I think, 13 different brands last year. Uh, helping them develop their meetings, and that's not just for a B two C. That's a B two B as well. It, that's anybody, it's any company, any, any company. one of you out there listening to the radio program today. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. Our featured guest today is Angelo Ponzi. He's the co-founder of SMI Strategic Market Intelligence. We're going to come back with a few more questions in the last part of the radio program. It's gone by so fast this afternoon. Angelo is our 800th guest. In case I didn't have a chance to mention that earlier, we'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. 
I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and increasing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other podcasting services that have a business focus. Our featured guest today is Angelo Ponzi. Angelo is co-founder of SMI, which is Strategic Market Intelligence. He's also our 800th guest on the radio program over the years that we've been doing it. You know, I wanted to ask you, Angelo, you've also had a research company, which you mentioned earlier, that is focused that was focused on the action sports industry, which is a huge industry here in Southern California and in Orange County in particular. I'm wondering if you can... Tell us how you went from researching and marketing consumer products to the action sports area. Yeah, actually, that's a it's a fun story. Um, in the in the '90s, early '90s, I was approached by a friend of mine to moderate focus groups for Pacific Sunwear. Now, at the time, they only had 50 stores, and you know now they're behemoth, right? But at the time, they only had 50 stores, and we would travel around the country. And hold these groups with with teens, and but behind the glass, there was always guys from the industry, uh, you know, Bob Hurley, uh, uh, Bob McKnight, and so on. Wow. These guys would come, and over from, I think it was 2000 was my first time to to. I'm sorry, uh, 1990 to 1998 was the last time I did it for them. So, throughout those years, I mean, it might be uh, every quarter we'd go out, so a lot of time with these guys. And, and every time they would talk about, boy, we wish there was more research. This is great. Boy, we'd love to do this. And we really wish we had this information. And then I was talking to a, a, a person, um, Marie, who's my partner in, in Board Trek, um, who was working for me at the Ponzi Group. And we were talking, and she was actually grew up in that industry. Hmm. And so we were talking one day, and we basically said, hey, maybe we've got an, an idea here for a business. and Maybe we should listen to the customers so we the listen, prospects, huh? Exactly. So uh, we did some uh, you know, conversations with some of those folks. We got the nod, and, and so uh, Board Track was born. Uh, the interesting thing is because of the way we did the research for PacSun, I kind of mirrored that movement. So we went to the same the seven cities where we were collecting information. I created a quantitative study, and we basically drilled down. So we big lifestyle and drilled down to um, action sports. Hmm. So I might talk to a thousand people, but at the end of the day, maybe there's only two hundred skateboarders in the survey, and and that was doing really well. But I was selling it to big companies, but I wanted action sports, and we were making a, a presentation to a skateboard company, and they. Uh, listened to us, and they nodded and said, this is really interesting. How many skateboarders were in this? And I said, oh, there was about 200. They said, until you talk to 2,000, don't come back. And they literally, every one of them got up and walked. <laughs> the meeting's over. And the meeting was over. <laughs> and all but one. And surprisingly, it was a CFO. And he just said, look, I love this kind of stuff, and here's what I think you guys need to do. I mean, what are your plans? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, our business plans call us to move into very focused and specialized surf, skate, and snow reports. But that's a, you know down the road to talk another couple of years. And he just said, look, if you want to be into space, you've got to move quicker. And that's what we did. We abandoned the bigger reports, wow. which were very expensive to produce, went to um, specialized surf, skate, snow, went to the Internet. And I, I would argue that I was one of the first companies out there, because I used to spend most of my time explaining the validity of Internet research before I'd even get to the data. And so we created this model. The goal was syndicated. 
So make it once, sell it a whole bunch of times. Right. Plus, we also got involved in, in proprietary and custom work. And then in a, at, at a, the Action Sports Retailer Show in San Diego in 19, whatever that was, 98 or 99, um, uh, the guy, Court Overland, who passed away, but he said, we need this information. He uh, bought lunch for everybody. They had never had a successful um, seminar, and we had 500 people in the room. Wow. Now, they weren't all happy to see me. Right. All right. There are a lot of suspicion, but, you know, 14, 15 years later, whatever it is, um, you know, the, the company grew into, you know, being well-known, the, the go-to place. matter of fact, uh, Marie called me just recently and said, the turn of the year, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, were back on the phone with her looking for data as they write their articles. So a lot of, a lot of speaking engagements over the years, a lot, of, a lot of publishing of data, a lot of articles written, a lot of interviews happened. Um, but it was a lot. It's been a lot of fun. So, so there is. I mean, for a variety of reasons, big data is on the conscious of. Uh, we have about four minutes here on a radio program. In my opinion, big data is on the on the American conscious. Whether it's because we think people are using it to analyze what we're doing in our personal life, or it's because there's a lot of research and money being put against big data, which feels like it's the domain of the Fortune 1,550, the big guys can use big data to make decisions. In your experience and from the work that you're doing at SMI, how are you bringing, is that true that it's only the, it doesn't sound like from our other conversation that that's true, that's that's wrong. And for the audience that's listening to the radio show, they need to, I, I think they need to consider how do I use data-based research that's turned into actionable information to drive my marketing spend? No, absolutely. It's it's not for the big guys. And, um, you know, as a marketing consultant, I, I've done research for, for companies that were under $500,000, right? Because we had a purpose, we, we set a plan, and we were able to get them information to help them grow their business. And then as they grew, we grew with them. And I think that that's the, 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 the misnomer is, you know, the marketing budgets, when things happen, what happens? The marketing budgets start to get cut. Right. And, and research even precedes other things. <laughs> it's the stepchild. Yeah. yeah, I was told yeah. one time I can either buy your report or I can run an ad, and, and I lost on that one. But at the end of the day, if they had bought my report, they probably would have done a better job with their with their communications. So I, I think that, that companies need to step back and, and make sure that research. I used to say to my clients when I was in advertising, take 10% of your media budget and put that into your marketing research now okay. again 10 percent of a hundred million dollar client is big but right. but you know the kind it. of clients that i dealt with right and, but and some would, percentage of it some percentage of it and then we can utilize that to make sure that the messaging is correct because so many times smaller companies and mid-market companies they tend to create these homogeneous communications right i'm going to speak you know there's four people in this room but i'm going to do one ad and i'm going to appeal to everybody well it's probably not going to work right so are you alienating somebody and how can you do that well Maybe if I understood and did some research, I could find a common point that I could communicate. Or I might have to figure out a way that I can reach you with a, with a print ad, but I can reach her with, a, with a social media communications and me with something different. So I think all that has to start with the research and understanding the target audience. And, and, I, and that's kind of been a mantra of mine is know your customer because it starts with that. Right. You have to know your customer and, and their needs and their wants and how to communicate. And that all stems off then into your competitive analysis. 
Uh, one of the things we did at phase one is communicate competitive analysis. We would take a set of competitors, we use our process, right? We deconstruct their messaging and we create metrics so we could understand, you know, what were the messages being delivered? Is everybody saying the same thing? And if there is, then there's no point of differentiation. Right. Or how do I separate? Right. Or in those some, some situations, we would find gaps or opportunities, right? There's that price of entry, but we might find through research that, like, you know, nutrition might be. Mm-hmm. really important, but it's not being emphasized, say, by the premium competitors or something like that. And so we could find opportunities for our client to figure out ways to do messaging that differentiates. So research can be used in so many different ways. It isn't just about awareness. It isn't just about, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm rambling and I'm sorry. Uh, when I was in the oil and gas industry, my boss, there was a company called SWATCO at the time. I don't know if they're still around. They own 70% of the drilling market. My boss decided... They wanted to be in that market. For the next eight months, we identified 10, 10 prospects, and I did nothing but travel around to them and talk to them about what their needs were for this kind of a product. Went right. back to the design. They'd bring designs. I went back and forth. And eventually, voila, we had, a, we had a product for them to buy. Now, that was market research, right? Right. But it was a small set. But those 10 companies, if they bought... All of a sudden, we're a major competitor in that market segment. We're the challenger, so the way I'm going to talk to them is going to be very different than the guy that owns 70%. Did they buy? They did buy. They and did. SWATCO probably didn't know it hit them. They, now, yeah, they, they didn't expect it because we were completely in the production side and right. not in the drilling side. So. But, you know, you've, you've taught me something, um, a way to frame moving forward. In, that, in other words, I, I think CEOs should consider asking their marketing department, is that a fact-based decision based on research Mm -hmm. or is that an opinion based decision based on gut and experience maybe they're both valid but i think from my perspective as a ceo and from maybe our audience's perspective you ought to have a little bit some level of data and research that complements your industry experience your knowledge your gut your and the rest of that just to make sure that you're not being too biased well absolutely absolutely so angelo ponzi Thank you for being our guest. Thank you. It's, you know, I thought an hour would be more than enough, but uh, there's questions on the paper that we didn't get to that Crystal put together that we're going to have to have you back in the future. You were our 800th guest. Thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to our community. Thank you so much. All right, that's Angelo Ponzi, ladies and gentlemen, of Strategic Market Intelligence, who I'm bringing back to say, if people want to find you online, how do they find you? Well, um, strategicmarketintelligence.com. Um, phone number is 949-357-9547, and happy to take your calls. Well, you've got a great opportunity to learn from someone who's been doing this for a long time and clearly knows of what he speaks. I'd like to thank our engineer for today's show, Paul Roberts, who also was our first guest when we started this radio program all the way Ouch, all those years ago. I'd like to thank our producer, Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Oh, that's applause. Okay. I'm trying to get some applause. He's been waiting all, all day to do that. All day just to do a little applause. Here. Okay. Our social media manager is Asia <laughs> Celestino, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank the get, uh, the sponsors for our radio program. Uh, they are Succession Strategies, Smart Business Magazine, Commercial Bank, the the Center Club, and Brandman University. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your firm in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, 
Richard Franzi.